the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Talking about getting your retirement. Um, that's the goal of the show. Yesterday I got an email from a financial planner that works with CFP Chad Burton. His name is Mark. He is one of the smartest people I know and also one of the sweetest human beings. Um, he gives financial planners a really good name, if you know what I'm saying. And what he said was one of his clients wants him to talk to his kids about money. And I'm assuming kids, I'm guessing 18 to 25. I'm not assuming that he wants him to talk to a 10-year-old. <laughs> that might be a little bit weird. But I love the idea. And I said, if you want me to do it, Mark, I'll pick up the phone. Or you know, if they're local, I'll, I'll drive over and stand six feet from them or 12 feet or whatever the new understanding should be. And I would love to do that because really and seriously, I wish someone would have done that for me. And investing in your 20s should be different than investing in your 30s. In your 20s, you're young and, and, and carefree. And you should go out and make mistakes. Um, I, one of the pieces of advice I throw out there is marry wisely. I know that's a weird thing to say, but I did it very poorly the first time. It lasted under a year. It's one of the most humiliating images in my head because it was supposed to be a little bit more perfect. It was supposed to be a little bit more romantic, um, and it didn't work out. So I happened to marry a very beautiful woman who was famous for some pictures, and a lot of people contacted her, and she kind of liked it, and uh, I think she was fine with me, but I wasn't fine with that. And it wasn't that I was jealous. It was that she was like sharing secrets and stuff kind of thing. But I'm digressing. Um, I want to talk about the content for the 20 year old, right? Uh, because I think that's what you're here for. First and foremost, in your 20s, we're different. But in your 20s, you should start thinking about planning ahead. Planning ahead is the concept of um, where am I going to be five? Years from now, that's the short term. 10 years is midterm. 20 years is long term. Just open your eyes when you're driving. You're no longer, you're driving towards retirement, whether you know it or not, and when you're in your 20s. And you don't have to save the money. It helps, but you don't have to. Live within your means. Some of the biggest mistakes I made in my 20s was I thought money led to love. I thought money and happiness were tied towards love. And I, I confused the images. I took a girlfriend to Miami to sit in the front row of a concert, which was pretty amazing. Stayed at an Art Deco hotel. I don't even know her name anymore. I know her name, but you get the idea. And I was like, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I shouldn't have been doing that. I didn't live within my means. That's really simple the way of putting it. Um, I've got a friend who goes out and buys all the latest gadgets. He's in the virtual reality headsets and he's in his twenties. I'm like, you're going to regret that. But it's good that you learn that now. Um, I didn't buy anything high end till I hit what I refer to as wealthy. Once I knew that I had enough to last till the day I die, 
I, I, I don't own a virtual reality headset. <laughs> to me, it's still too weird of a concept to find anything out of it other than like slicing, you know, using a fake lightsaber. And trust me, that can't be that much of a thrill. But I'm digressing. Live within your means. Make saving a habit in your 20s. If you can save 3% of your paycheck, that's a good start. You're going to retire with something, but you're never allowed to use it. It's not an emergency fund. It's your retirement. You're not allowed to use it until you're 60, 62, 65, somewhere in there. I've done that since I was 18, and the thing I regret is not doing more. So I'm up to saving probably 20% of my income. It stinks because there's times where I'm like, I'd like a new car. I just want the new car smell. It's new to me, as Chad Burton would say. He buys used. Um, what else do we have to hit in your 20s? Uh, start figuring out your credit cards. Uh, you shouldn't be carrying balances month to month. You shouldn't be putting groceries on them. You shouldn't buy new computers on them. You shouldn't buy Christmas presents with them. No. Uh, credit cards are, you can use them on a daily basis. They're great for budgeting, but you pay them off every single month. You can use them for the rewards, but you pay them off every single month. And then don't forget to use your rewards on occasion. Because if you miss one payment, you lose all your rewards. Or if they change the terms, a friend of mine used to have like a bazillion miles on Southwest. Um, and then they, a bazillion miles to fly around the world five times. And then they said, okay, well, we're going to cut the value of those points so that you can only fly around the world two times. I'm like, oh, should have used them when you had them. Um, so you make saving a habit. You pay off your credit cards. You start investing. Again, 401Ks could be the best place for you. 401K, 403B. If you're at a nonprofit, 403B. If you're at a for-profit, you're looking at a 401K. Start with 3%. If there's any match, that's free money. If you're making $100,000 and they're going to give it a 3% match, you're making $103,000. And the only reason they're doing it is because you're saving in the 401K and they get a perk and a benefit with the IRS for not forcing you, but encouraging you to. Other things to consider, um, establish credit. You know, back to the credit card thing, you're going to want to get an auto loan. At some point, you're going to want to get a home loan. I've got what's considered excellent credit, but when I did not have excellent credit, I had to pay more for a mortgage. I had to pay more for a car. I had to pay more for credit cards. So anything that I, I borrowed money on, I paid more because I was stupid in college and, and actually it was right after college. It's one of my first jobs where I kind of got into my head a little bit. In over my head was like $3,000, $4,000. And I look back on that. I'm like, that's nothing. I should have borrowed the money from mom and dad and not ruined my credit, but I didn't. I got to a point where I was like uh, dating and food was more important than paying off my credit card. And I, it dinged my credit. So my first mortgage wasn't on excellent credit. My first mortgage was on some bar credit. Um, so get your credit in order. There's a great app called Credit Karma. Credit Karma. And it'll even tell you if someone opens an account in your name. Hmm. Don't have to pay for the expensive credit monitoring services. Um, when you're in your 20s, start cutting the financial umbilical cord. Mommy and daddy shouldn't be bailing you out at every turn. I understand we're delaying adulting. I understand it's a tough job market. But the sooner you get a practice, the sooner you get a fly, in my opinion. Again, I'm not giving parenting advice. That's not the name of the show. Robbie knows best. On today's episode, should you spank your child or not? Because <laughs> uh, I have a messed up experience with, with parenting. My father used to batter us. Um, he would roll us around in flour and egg, and then he would never fry us. He would just get us ready to be fried. Da dun dun I'll be all day. Um, Mary Wisely is, is one of the funniest pieces of advice I've thrown out there. Uh, there's another one. is floss your teeth, because your teeth will fall out when you turn 65, 70, 75, 80, 85, 90. Um, 
and your tongue's going to get most of the stuff that you should be brushing. But flossing is super important. Uh, so Mary Wisely is a funny one, like flossing. Um, let's start talking about Mary and Wisely. Um, it's okay to have separate bank accounts as long as you can talk about it. It's okay to have separate budgets as long as you can talk about it. Um, I used to have a lot of shame. Um, when I was falling in love, I'd be like, I'll take off my shirt last. <laughs> or I'll be at the beach. I'll keep my shirt on for a little bit longer. And then I dated a woman. She's like, I kind of like guys with a little bit of a muffin on their stomach. And I was like, woohoo! That, that freed me. It cut the shame. Same thing with money. Even if you have bad credit, I want to hear about it. You don't got to hide that from me. Um, so marry wisely. Get over your shame. Be able to talk to people. Communicate. Super important. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. My favorite character growing up on Sesame Street was the Count. I had a fascination with vampires. Now, the Count, I don't know if you know this, probably isn't a vampire. <laughs> You're saying, are you giving Sesame Street folklore? Um, he might not be. He's just a guy who looks a lot like Bella Lugosi's Count Dracula. They didn't really want to scare kids, per se. The puppet was originally modeled off Bella Lugosi's Count Dracula. He appears to be a vampire. He's got the fangs. He's got the cape. He's got the creepy castle. He's got bats. It all points to vampirism. But in vampire folklore, a way to ward off an attacker is to throw a race or wheat at him. The bloodsucker needs to count the grains before moving on. Did you know that? This goes back to me reading a lot. I read vampire books as a kid. And if a vampire was chasing you, and I know you're saying there's not a lot of vampire chase scenes in the literature, is there? There's not. But if you throw a handful of rice, he'll stop what he's doing and count every single grain of rice. And I think that's what the Sesame Street folklore kind of goes to. Anyhow, where do I go with this? Um... Oh, I'm doing a countdown. I last left off with a top 10 list of things you do in your 20s. Now let's go through one of things that you do in your 30s. First, you start paying off all your non-mortgage debt. Your 30s is time to be financially responsible. Uh, you you got to make sure that you're accumulating wealth and not paying credit cards. Again, I understand the 20s. I understand people are going to get in trouble no matter what I say. But that's the time to fix that. And let's say you got married and divorced in your 20s, you probably have some debts that you have to pay off. Um, in your 20s, you probably bought a car you shouldn't have. There's a song in If I Had a Million Dollars uh, by Bare Naked Ladies, which I'm still upset with because I look like the lead singer of Bare Naked Ladies and he's a puffy white guy. It doesn't look good. He's very, very, very pasty. Um, but I strangely like him, so I work off that. And he says, if I had a million dollars, I'd buy you a nice, reliable automobile. If I had a million dollars. So start getting better vehicles that don't have the debt, per se, um, tied towards them. So try to kick that whole debt cycle, if you can, in your 30s. Um, student loan debt payment. I think I had my student loan, I want to say, till 33, 34, 35. Uh, I didn't have to take out student loans. I had a lot of grants and scholarships, but I did take out some student loans. Um, and it's funny because I, it, that wasn't money wisely spent. You would go back and shake your head at me and go, why did you do that? Was this so you just didn't have to work while going to school? Maybe, kind of, yeah. 
So anyway, pay off your debt, kick the debt cycle if you can, start saving money. And instead of, you know, uh, my $3,600, I had a $360 uh, college debt payment. So $360 every month. So I counted that as roughly $4,400 a year. Once I paid it off, I put that money into investing. I didn't put it in my pocket. I put it into investing. Um, I got serious about retirement because in my 20s, I'm like, I'm young and I'm beautiful. I'm never going to die. <laughs> but then in your 30s, you're like, everything starts to hurt a little bit more. And your time's running out. I don't want to work till the day I die. I saw my dad work till the day he died, and it sucks. He could have had some better years with my, uh, my sister. I almost said I had a daughter. <laughs> I don't think that's good in the cards. But neither here nor there. So in your 30s, you want to start diversifying some of your investments. In your 20s, if you want to do like a, a Fidelity 2060 retirement fund, that's fine. If you're going to retire in the year 2060, that's a, that's a great target fund. I like it. That's a great way to say, let's put 3% of my salary into it or 5% of my salary into that. But in your 30s, you're going to start saying, oh, here's a good one. I got a friend right now, 25 years old, and he owns Apple and Tesla. I was like, look how much money I'm making. In your 30s, grow up. Get a little bit more diversification. If you can. It's no shame in owning international stocks. There's no shame in small cap stocks or mid cap. They can't all be tech stocks. With that said, I'm overweight in growth. So I, I don't even practice my own cooking or eat my own cooking or practice my own preaching or what is the, I don't even know. I once I got, have a mixed metaphor. There's two metaphors about legs. One of them is opening and one of them is stretching. And I used the wrong one about my career. I was like, yes, I'm getting ready to, instead of saying, stretch my legs, I said the other one. And it didn't fly. <laughs> it was like right after it came out of my mouth, I was like, whoops, let's pull that one right back. Um, in your 30s, continue to learn. Get a Wall Street Journal, get a New York Times, get a Barron's, get some sort of financial literature like in your life. It's not going to kill you. Go to CNBC in the morning. Read CNBC. Don't watch CNBC. I know you're saying, you're, you're, you had your Wheaties today. Yes, and the audio is bad. I get it. Our, my company got hit by uh, ransomware, so we're not as crystal clear as we want to be during COVID. It's, it's, it's marked up even worse. But I've got a $1,000 microphone. It's not the microphone that's the problem. So just throwing that out there at you. So thanks for being patient. Um, so you want to continue to learn. You want to start protecting your asset. You know what I had in my 30s I can't replace? 30 more years of work. If I died, people who counted on me would have gone, oh, we just bought a house together. We have a baby. And you died and your income's bye-bye. So I have life insurance. Guess what else I can't lose in my 30s? Disability insurance. Um, I see a lot of people go into poverty because they get disabled and can't work. And I'll tell you, the government assistance on disability, not as good as a job. But some people get addicted to it, and they don't want to go back to work. They start watching Jerry Springer. They're like, I don't want to get a job. I'm going to stand disability as long as I can. You don't want that, trust me. Um, and when I say life insurance, uh, the previous number, uh, 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 back to the count. Um, term life is the only life insurance I would ever consider. In my 30s, I started living a lot more simply. So I deferred gratification. I adopted a simple lifestyle. Um, I found areas where I could trim the fat. I don't need to keep up with my neighbors. I don't need their cars. I don't need a Tesla. I don't, I don't need it. So I got my personal finances into shape. 
Now, I'm not going to make a gym reference like, you got to pump it up. I'm not going to do that. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Once read a book on Jim Henson because everyone said how great he was. And that's where I learned the Count wasn't really a vampire. He wasn't meant to be. But I find that to be an odd story that I strangely remember. And did you know that Oscar the Grouch actually fell in love? He typically was a Muppet that uh, was very angry about everything except for bad weather. But they had the Wicked Witch come on the show. The Wicked Witch! And Oscar fell in love with her. That's all of the trivia I'm going to give you for today as far as it deals with um, Sesame Street. Because <laughs> that's probably all that I have left in my brain. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Interesting that we're going into political season. Uh, it's really a good time to be a TV station. I know that sounds like a very odd statement, but every few years, the station that I work at, Cron 4, there's rumors on whether or not Nexstar will sell them or you know, sell the signal so companies like Google can use airwaves to send data versus TV signals. Um, but every four years, we go into that political cycle, uh, the big one with the presidency, um, and it just creates a ton of money. Even this radio station, I hear an ad right before the show starts says, we, are, we have to take political advertisements. It's law. You may not like the content of it. We're sorry. I found that kind of interesting. Um, but it's big money. Now, what's interesting about COVID, we've all been at home watching TV, right? You would think advertisers are stoked on that. Not so much. Um, advertising on back to school this year was down 70% from last year. This is just shocking. Listen to this number. 23 million. You would have thought, in my opinion, that TV advertising on back to school would have been like, hey, kids, go get your backpacks. Go, go to Walmart.com. You would have thought there would have been more. Like, retailers need the money. They need the sales. Back to school is a big holiday. Um, what do we know about back to school or what do we need to know on this issue? We actually spent more money on back to school. $33.9 billion this year versus last year's 26.2. Now that's a 30% increase. A lot of hardware, a lot of software, a lot of computers, a lot of laptops, a lot of iPads. So we're working from home. We're living, uh, we're schooling from home. We're partying from home. Have you been to a zoom happy hour yet? I find the whole concept funny. Um, I'm going to drop that right there. But not only is back to school not advertising on television. Listen to this. They went from about 100 retailers advertising last year to just 10 this year. That's shocking on a national level. That's telling you that retailers, and I, I'll, I'll just throw a name out there like Kohl's or TJ Maxx. They're saying people are afraid to come to our stores and we can't really deliver it because they're really looking to try on clothes or something like that. That's shocking. But you know where else is hurting? The travel industry. They're, they've seen a 78% drop in advertising. That one makes sense. Back to school doesn't really click in my head. But political ad spend will save the network somewhat this year, as I'm sure we're going to go to record at TV advertising spending yet again. That's one of the bigger stories out there in my mind on um, TV ads. I think that's pretty telling that there are some, the 10 that, that spent, I bet, I bet you are at 52 week highs or close to 52 week highs. Companies like Walmart, Amazon, Target, 
um, Best Buy maybe. Um, I don't know if Best Buy is on that list, but they're doing well with back to school. So that's out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. The markets, are we taking a breather today? It would be kind of nice. Um, when the markets are all-time highs, you get very lazy and you get very cocky. And you forget to do your homework. You're like, ah, I'm just going to buy it and ride it till it, it doesn't go up anymore. Um, so the S&P 500 is up one half, 1%. That's a good day. The Russell 2000 up just one point, just one point. That's like a killer whale jumping out of the water and just biting your pinky or your toenail. It could eat you whole, but it just, just one point, just one point. I know you're saying, you're, rec- you're recounting the beginning of the movie Orca, the killer whale, where a whale jumps out of the water well over 200 feet and uh, eats Bo Derek's leg, but leaves the rest of her up there for her boyfriend to mourn and to come and hunt it. Because he had hunted her baby. Long story. It's, there's a movie about a whale going for revenge. I know you can't make that today, can you? Um, Dow's up nicely. The S&P 500's up nicely. The Russell just a little bit. The Nasdaq's a little bit lower. Why is the Nasdaq lower? Because Tesla and Apple are taking a break. After having run up for nonstop into the split, now it's making you pay for the split. Got an email from a guy who was kind of mad at me last year, and I, I think it's fair criticism, where he's talking about buying stocks that split. And I go, that's a horrible idea. And maybe I was having a bad day, because what I, what I probably should have said is, I don't like the idea because I saw that work and then massively fail in the 2000s, where a company would not own the stock split and the stock would go up 40% until it split. That's just silly investing. But do I have to be mean about it? Probably not. So I'm looking at Apple and Tesla now and wondering, you know, with all the confidence in the last few days, how does it feel to be down 20% from an all-time high in Tesla? For those who bought it three days ago, you're at an all-time high. For those who've had it for the last three days, you're down 5, 10, 15, 20%. That's pretty hard, right? That can't feel great. But then again, up until three days ago, anyone who had ever bought Tesla had made money. It's just not the way I do it. And I don't look at stock splits as an opportunity. I'd rather buy a great company and go to bed tonight. That's, that's just me. Um, if you think Tesla's a great company, then that satisfies your definition of a great company. That's, that's I think, a good way to start. Is it naive to say that's it? Yes. you got to do a little bit more than that. 800-516-1220. Calls on the air. Uh, Papa John's Pizza, down 4%. Another big winner during the pandemic. And i got to tell you, those, those Domino's commercials, they're convincing. At Domino's, we take your safety seriously. The pizza gets put in an oven that's 400 degrees and kills any germs. And we serve it to you without ever touching it. You're like, ooh, ooh. It's convincing, but where's the coughing and where's the the hand that has the the box touching? Like, there's some issues there, but I'm not going to get in that. But pizza's done really well. Pizza is a ticker symbol for Papa John's. And Papa John's got into a pretty big issue a couple years ago when their CEO made some racist comments on a conference call. A nice reminder, shut up. At times, just be quiet. Let's not use that example. And I think that was probably tied towards what happened in Starbucks in New York City, where two African-American gentlemen sat down and they got treated as if they were being subversive when they were just working a, a business deal. 
So had Papa John's CEO said that today, I think Papa John's around the country would have been set on fire. We are not in that environment right now that we were two years ago. But two years ago, he gets kicked out of the company and the stock falls. It gets nasty. CEO suing the company, company suing the company. It's like McDonald's and their CEO, Steve Easterbrook, right now. Their ex-CEO, excuse me. Um, he took some, some employees took photos of themselves without clothes on, and somehow they got on his phone, and he sent it from his phone to his home address. And when he quit, he wiped his phone, but, well, McDonald's still had the server. <laughs> and uh, they're calling each other morally bankrupt. They're suing each other. Not good. But Papa John's got a good spokesperson last year. Do you remember? Shaquille O'Neal, the chacaroni. He is such a salesman. Unbelievable. I wonder if he's made more money pitching uh, car insurance and pizza than he made playing. I don't know. Uh, but you get the idea there. Um, now DraftKings is getting Michael Jordan. It doesn't hurt to have someone wildly famous and recognizable as a spokesperson. You know what's interesting? Financial industry can't do that. It's against SEC rules for me to go out and say, hey, Joe Montana, why don't you get on radio and do a commercial? Hi, I'm Joe Montana. And Rob Black is the best investment advisor ever. It's against the law. Because you're so stupid, our government has decided, that you would think that whatever Joe Montana says, you'll do. Why is it against the law to sell a chacaroni? Chacaronis probably kill people a lot more than financial planners do. It's chacaronis, pepperonis, um, fatty food. I kid, I joke, but you get the point. Um, but a good brand spokesperson. So Michael Jordan's joining DraftKings. And right there, I was like, that's an interesting story today because I've talked about it in the past as a, a reopening play, as a people want to do something. Like when I watch baseball right now, I'm bored. I, don't, I, I miss the fans. When I watch basketball, I'm bored. I miss the fans. There's something not quite right. But the NFL is going to open back up, and that'll be another opportunity for companies like DraftKings who do fantasy football. But in the last couple of years, they've started doing real sports as well. Uh, real sports betting and not just fantasy. In fantasy, I would play against you and I'd be like, I'm going to draft. Uh, I'm trying to Andrew Luck. And I'm like all cocky and I'm like, I'm going to beat you. Oh, wait, wait, he retired? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know what I was doing. But you play against other players? It, it, it's stupid. I don't like fantasy sports. It's not my thing. But there's a business on those apps because there's real money that's transacted. Even though it feels like a video game, even though it feels like you're not really beating someone because you don't see them, there's real money. So DraftKings is higher today. Penn National is lower. They're another player that has the exposure to gambling apps. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But uh, having a celebrity spokesperson can move your stock. You know who's like the ultimate celebrity spokesperson? I'll give you a second to think about this one. When she was given part of a company, the stock took off. And what was interesting about it, it went from, what was it, $11? Now, it was as low as... What was it? Oh, at one point it was down to like $4. Weight Watchers. And then Oprah joins the company and she's going to pitch the product and it goes to $101. Four to 101 because of a celebrity spokesperson in my mind. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I feel like I'm the Ellen of financial talk shows. <laughs> wait, wait, that's not good anymore? Oh, that's not good. Um, what went wrong there? Can she recover? Her brand is damaged. Branding is super important. I have a brand that you trust. I try not to ever break that trust. Sometimes I'm not perfect. 
sometimes I talk about stuff that I shouldn't, but for the better part of 20 years, I focused you the right way on investing. There was some bad stocks here and there. I once owned a company called Exodus Communication, and it was run by a woman named Alan Hancock who came out of the IBM School of Business. And it was a genius concept. Back when we started, you know, the 1990s, mid-90s, the late 90s, we were creating more data and more data and more data. The internet was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And serving up that data was getting more and more expensive for individual companies. So she, she didn't start, but there's a company called Exodus Communications to go back on. And the stock was a, a winner. It goes from 10 to 120. I call that a winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's huge. My hands are huge. My, that stocking was huge. And it was a great concept. The only problem was these data centers were really expensive to operate. And then we got into some power situations in California, but we, they were really expensive. And it was too expensive, too much debt for the company. Now, do you know what that is today? It's a $500 billion company. Amazon Web Services, Google Web, Microsoft Web, Azure. Uh, hosting information and data is big business, and they were in the right place at the right time. Wrong time. Oh, well, it worked for a little bit. I think I actually squeaked out money in that one. But it did go from 1620 to 120 back down to zero. Point being that I had the right idea, the right stock, the right CEO, but at the wrong time. Um, I do make mistakes. I once bought a company called Cryomedical Sciences that fr freezes colon cancer. Um, Chadwick Boseman? Uh, Black Panther dies of colon cancer. And like, it's big. It's in the news. I bring that up in large part because my dad died of cancer. And it's a horrible thing. And the whole idea of potentially freezing cancer was genius to me. It made sense. The only problem is it didn't. Because doctors used this technology and they found out it's really tough to pull off. Let's just say it looked like a cap gun that, you know, you're getting your prostate examined and your prostate in your colon. It's in that area and they, they see the cancer. They can get a cancer on an x-ray or, or some sort of dynamic picture. They freeze it and then they cut it out. Yeah, but not so much, right? Um, because doctors would use this technology once, but they wouldn't use it a second time. So in the 90s, I learned a very, very valuable lesson. It's not the medical device and how cool it is. It's how much do doctors trust it. And I made a horrible mistake on that one. I never talked about it on radio. Um, that was my own personal one kind of thing. But I learned a lesson. And it was during Pfizer's Viagra, the little blue pill that seemed to be everywhere in NFL football games. Every commercial was about Viagra and about men throwing football through tires, and that's supposed to be something. <laughs> like, oh, I get it. Back off, I get it. Uh, are you having problems maintaining? No, don't talk about it. But it was the most re-prescribed pill ever. And I got it. it. Suddenly I was like, oh, doctors trust it. And I'm not saying there's an investment lesson in Pfizer's Viagra. What I'm saying is that there's a lesson to be learned if you just pay attention, the most re-prescribed ever. Um, that's pretty good.
And yes, I know the colon is not the prostate, but for the sake of this argument, I wanted to talk about Chadwick Boseman one more time. Truly, truly sad. Um, too young is what it comes down to. If he was 93 and Black Panther died, he would be like, ah, he had a good life. He was really good looking when he was younger, and I bet he would have been a great looking old man. But, hmm, sad. Dog adoption is huge. I was at the dog park yesterday with my, my dog, 011011. And uh, I was making, con- I was making, I was flirting almost. There was a lady who had a, a, a black lab half pit bull. I'm like, hey, that's a pretty cool mix. Um, really, really passive dog. And she said, yeah, me and my partner got him uh, two months ago. We're driving through a part of Stockton and people just leave dogs there. There's, and I'm like, you're kidding me. There's a part of Stockton that's famous for people leaving dogs, abandoning animals. And she goes, yeah, there's like 50 cats. Like you could see them, 50 dogs. And they're all just hanging out, like waiting to be adopted or killed or something. I don't know. Um, a little bit sad, but right now pet ownership is on a high. Why? Because of COVID, because of the pandemic. Um, I know a lot of children. And if you know anyone who eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, a lot of kids are getting lonely. They miss their companionship. They're supposed to be with other nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds. So a lot of parents are going out and getting them companions with dogs. Fewer are left at shelters. The dog economy is booming. Not a thing I would have predicted with a pandemic. But it makes sense, right? Sales have increased 24 million from 24 weeks ending August 15th, up 202% from last year on dog diapers. More people are adopting puppies. So an investment here is Chewy. They came publicly traded. They bring the food to your house. You don't even have to go to the store. Um, I, I kind of like the story, pandemic pooches. But there is some sadness too. Like I said, people banning dogs. I got real bummed out yesterday on that. Um, shelter euthanasia is down 43% because of decreased intake, expanded fostering, and increasing the percentage of pets finding homes. And a friend of mine, uh, I'm trying to get my kids to like here, here's some money. Go buy ice cream with your friend. Kind of, I'm trying to encourage, do any companionship you can. 